1: Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring, boring.
0: Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you.
1: You, you, you. Still have grown man run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts, this is Daniel Bard, this is Steve Aoki. Here's Salt Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball, is baseball, baseball isn't boring. Welcome to baseball isn't boring. Here's your host,
0: Rob. High fly ball, right field. Right
1: Slam and just like that, it's a two run game.
0: Whoa. Tell me a better way to start the day. You can't. Home run call of the day. Home run call a day is the best way to start the day. Also, we just want to thank you. FanDuel. FanDuel, thank you so much. Everybody, right now. FanDuel.com slash boring. Go to it. Fanduel.com slash boring. Boring win, be entertained, and also help us keep powering this baby all throughout the calendar year and next calendar year and the calendar year beyond. Should note home run call. That was Ian Happ going deep. And that was Boog Shyambi and Jim DeShays on the call, on the home run call today. The so there you go. Cubs, not so, such a great night. Great home run, not such a great night. But I tell you what. Here come the Padres! Here come the Padres! Just when you thought they were out here, they're back in seven in a row, four and a half back. Let's do some Padres podcast coming up today. It's about general managers Jim Duquette, former general managers Mets Orioles, also longtime host MLB Network Radio. Sirius XM, excellent, excellent stuff. I mean, very well connected, knows what it's like to be in the front office, knows what's going on in the world of baseball. He's the perfect guy to talk to today. And w- there's a lot of GM talk, obviously, going on. You have, well, GM, whatever. We, we've already talked about this earlier in the week. GM, Pobos, president of baseball operations. You have David Stearns and the Mets. You have Heimblum being let go. We were wondering what was going to happen with A.J. Preller and with San Diego. But like I said, here they come. Who knows? Anyway, it's some great stories, some great perspective, some great insight, some great predictions, all from the great Jim Duquette. All right, there's nobody I'd rather have on right now, Jim Duquette of uh, Sirius XM MLB Network Radio. I-, I tell you what, Jim, I always enjoy every time you guys call the, the network that is say, hey can you pop on but when i hear your voice it makes me feel it's like a security blanket i'm like let's go oh i know so i was just telling you i said you know we were talking about uh um, who was uh, we're talking about teams going in the postseason and we're doing this podcast every day. I'm like, somebody said something really smart about teams going in. I can't remember who it was. was like, and of course, it was another MLB network radio guy, Brian
1: Spielborg. So, uh, Spilly. Spilly, Spilly, I knew he was out with you recently. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, Spilly was like, he had a great take about <laughs> listen to the cliches, listen to the cliches about how teams are talking about playing for each other and like.
1: I'm like okay, I will, <laughs> I will. <laughs> so I love it. I love it. Oh, Philly's the best. He's so, he's so smart, and uh, we do. He and I do postseason together for series. We do our uh, do a pregame before every LCS World Series game, and we've been paired together a couple different times um, over the years. And then we'll end up like, more recently. He and I have done the World Series together. So. Um, I've been around him a lot. I, I really enjoy. Him. He's funny. He's, you know, th- I mean, he, the other uh, side sideline this. By the way, last two postseasons in the World Series, he's been getting his business degree online, and he's literally he's in the ballpark while the game is going on on Zoom, while, uh, doing a class. He's got his professor. Really, and he's watching. He's watching <laughs> Braves extras. World Series game 4 you know oh. Shit there it, oh my god it's fantastic
0: man we had on uh yes yeah, so uh, as we taped this today Jacob Turner former ninth uh, overall pick yeah. 2009 who's done a great job in building his thing about you know speaking of business you know like trying to, to try steer guys in the right direction financially which is uh, i mean we just had a we've had a great week and this is just another i'm so glad to talk to you um and uh for a lot of reasons but i'm so glad that you come on and and um, so I want to start here, Jim. Is that, you know, I, well, I just talked to you just the other day. Um, you had me on after the yep. high and bloom stuff happened. And, you know, I, I want to focus, I want to mention that, but I also don't want to just focus on Boston. I want to focus on in New York is having this turnover with David Stearns. Who knows, we're going to see some others. Um, so I'm just going to start here as someone who's done the job and also who has had the, the perspective of watching people do the job and talking to a lot of people, we get, we are right now bogged down in like what it's almost like the money ball thing all over again, where people are taking sides more than ever, it seems. Um, so from your perspective, you know, can we just come to an agreement? Can we find the, the happy medium of what, what makes a good chief decision maker?
1: You know, I, I think that there is a happy medium, It really, between both sides. That, to me, is what makes the really good executives, you know, and the ones that have had longevity um, have adapted over time. You know, Brian Cashman's still the longest standing general manager, and what he relied on early in his career has changed now, right? So Stick Michael uh, was his... Uh, mentor and a guy that he he used as a big chief evaluator and now and then you know they, they've had this this incredible string of over 500 and uh being in the postseason and i don't want to you know just bring out his name but there's andrew freeman in los angeles who's had an unbelievable track record now they've won the the uh, nl west what is it 10 out of the last 11 seasons yeah. some ridiculous number right and you know alex anthopolis down in atlanta those are the guys that have been doing this for a long time. And they all have a level of understanding that the analytics play, they help you um, be more objective. Uh, One of the hardest parts when I was in the the front office and as a GM, we we had, uh, you know, evaluators. If we didn't have good evaluators, they were really hard, really hard to make good proper decisions. Um, Now with the analytics, they help you make, more objective decisions. It doesn't mean you're not going to make bad decisions that it's going to happen all the time, but it helps you, uh, make better decisions. And, you know, I think I always use this term, but you deal in likelihoods and probabilities when you make any decision, and helps you you know in that in that percentage of chance of, of, of being right, but you're never going to be hundred percent right. That's just impossible to, to be uh, because of that human element so so you have to have a human but you have to have that human element in your evaluation, and that's where those three in particular have always felt and stressed that you know in the right in the right sense. Uh, you know some years <laughs> you use your analytics a little bit more maybe than your evaluators, but I, I said this recently. Every postseason since 2012, I've been with SiriusXM. We do a pre and a post game for the World Series and the LCS, and we see some teams with their pro scouting staff doing advance work. And the ones that do it every year, and in particular the Dodgers, mm-hmm. they're there. I run into their scouts all the time, and what they're looking at is different, you know, each year. There's certain things they're looking at more now than they used to but they're doing things the right way you know atlanta is doing things the right way you know when they send john gibbons in to see a team uh on the road in the postseason there's one reason he's not sitting there with a rap soto uh or a camera (laughs) evaluating the game right we know gibby so so that's where i think that's where we've come that's where i think we should be anyway um when it comes to this you know this uh you know answer that you're talking about
0: yeah and 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 we, it's not just it's not just like the narrative it, this is a reality that some teams are leaning so, like you we all go in the media dining rooms and usually there's that's where you'd see the scouts well i can tell you it's hard to find them now it, it's hard yeah. to find them and and it's that's again this isn't a cliche this isn't a narrative a lot of these teams not like the ones that you mentioned but a lot of these teams Or said, hey, we can handle it. Don't worry about it. We can handle it with our analytics, with our video, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean.
1: They are. are. And I think they're making a mistake. But, you know, again, it's almost like what we see, um, you know, we've seen this in baseball. We can see it in other industries. Sometimes you have these waves of, oh, we've got the next best thing, you know, and you could talk. Like I, I was having this conversation with a minor league coach recently um, you know, some of this analytics that then forward at the player development level and in the scouting level isn't much different than when, when I got into the front office. The big keyword was uh, the computers, the laptops, believe it or not. We started in, in um, incorporating them to be more efficient with our scouts, but also to, co- to start to congregate this data rather than having a thousand pieces of paper lying all over the place in your office and trying to sort through it you could centralize all of the data into one area on your computer. And we had all, you know, we had the scouting report uh, computerized where it was easy for them to enter in all the information. And some of the scouts, you know, bucked that trend and some of the player development bucked that trend. And the ones who did ended up not being a part of the sport, the ones who did the ones that survived were the ones that adapted and changed. And I think that's where we, where we are in this. And even like I'll, I'll go pitch counts. You know, we went, from ha- not having pitch counts in the minor leagues to having very few pitch, uh, you know, th- like th- not pitching and having many innings now, where we are now, and that's going to change over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that we find out that we that the next best trend sometimes we take it too far, right? The the overshift, you know, right. was good for a while, and now all of a sudden it was so good it's banned. Like you can't plan for some of these things. You know, and some of the changes. So I think that's where, like you said, I, the scouts. Yeah, you're. I'm right. I, I went to minor league game this summer. So one scout. Wow, wow. breaking them down. One, Whoa. you know, it's one of the one of the best minor league teams that had excellent pitching and 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 so you know we're not seeing that as much anymore. But I think at some point that that pendulum will swing back to uh, having a you know a more a uh, balanced approach, uh, to the sport in the you know, at least in that area.
0: Yeah. And you know, you had mentioned like how we we go to extremes and we have to recognize we go to extremes. I remember Theo admitting this. I mean Theo admitting said, hey, listen, I, I went overboard. And yeah. and and that's the smartest guy, the smartest guys who understand that when they make mistakes, I mean those are the smartest guys. But I want to come back to sort of the the art of GMing. And and earlier this week we had on, we were talking about this subject. I was talking with Julian McWilliams of the Globe and we just said, Kim, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to call it a GM for the sake of like, I, I get exhausted by pobos and, yes, yes. and, <laughs> and, and all of it. We're just, we'll call it GMs. I mean, chief decision yep. maker, whatever it is. Um, so one of the narratives in when, you know, when you guys talk to me um, on Sirius XM. You know, we were talking initially, right? It was really raw. I I ran up from the Sam Kennedy press conference with Heim about Heim. And really, to me, like one of the main things was uh, the trouble he had making trades that you were going to win by 51% instead of 70%. Um, You have a unique perspective of that. So as for GMs, you have this this group of GMs. And there must be some GMs where you're like, I got to call them and I know what they're going to say. And then there's other GMs. I hear this about Dombrowski. Hey, listen, it's it's pretty cut and dry. Like here it is, there it is. You know, I'm not going to play games. Here it is. So you have a good perspective of that. Tell me a little bit about how that works, and yeah. also how you could see where maybe especially some of these next wave of GMs are grasping because it's not like really Heim, Jim. I heard the same thing about Tampa, right? And they yeah. they, they went a lot of trades. But still, there's probably a lot of trades that they didn't make. Anyway, I, I'm anxious to get your perspective on it.
1: Yeah, so you know, I think that um, it tends to be, you know, if you've been in the in the game a little bit as a general manager, you have that experience. You, t- you have a tendency to realize some are going to work and some are. And as long as you know what you're what you're trading for and how he fits, that you're you're understanding and willing to give up something that the other guy wins too, right? So so. You know, you mentioned Dave Dombrowski. He's a classic example. I'll use John Schurholz who, you know, John Schurholz, if he called you up, he won a lot of trades. When he called you up and he would get a very specific trade proposal that he would make and you, and you'd go, wow, that sounds so good. I, I'm scared that I, he's taken me. you <laughs> know, and you back off as a young GM. I remember backing up going, I'm not, not training that guy. There's no way. So, so I think with the inexperience, you know, be, uh, comes a little uncertainty. I'm not gonna say scared, but you're looking for the slam dunk trade. You know, you want to be able to stay in a job as long as you can, um, and so you know, you're you're feeling, you know, and, and there's so much uh, hype and so much information out there that can make you look bad or good, you know, early. And, and you don't maybe know the results of the trade until later when you're out of the job, let's say yeah. um, that I think that there's, there's, uh, if you've been new on the job or had, you know, uh, uh, let's say a few years into it, I think there's a hesitancy uh, to, to um, to make a deal that you don't think you can absolutely categorically win. And I, I don't want to speak for Heim, but it does look like from afar and seeing that, that, um, you know, there was hesitancy to do that if you go and you know, listen, he he had he was forced, we'll call it forced, to trade Mookie, best. right? Right? There's no trade and no person in this sport that wants to trade one of the best players in Major League Baseball because you're never going to get the bet the value back for that one player, like a superstar player. It just never happens, right? Doesn't matter, you go Verdugo, Wong, Jeter Downs, like not any one of those players who's going to come close to Mookie Betts. And so, you know, I think when you make a deal like that, and that's the first one you have to make, yeah. if I were in his shoes, I'd be pretty hesitant to make a deal too.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, it's a great, and I've heard that too, that, you know, that you you have to make that deal and now you're like, oh man, big. it is what it is, but I can't look bad in these other ones. And uh, and he made some good deals. I mean, I think it's, it's really more about the trades that he didn't make than the trades he made. And, um, and, well, first of all, like, so what you're talking about with Sherholtz, that's called an Andy Marte, God rest his soul. Andy Marte, remember yeah. him? I mean, yes. there was, I, I remember in case people listening to this aren't <laughs> old enough to remember the John Sherholtz era. I mean, this is, there, this is the art too of identifying your prospects, hyping up your prospects, and then trading the right prospects. And Andy Marte was the number one prospect in baseball, when he was <laughs> traded in that deal uh, for Edgar, uh, yeah, for Renteria, number, Renteria, one, yeah. and the guy again, God rest his soul, but he he couldn't, he wasn't a major leaguer. Like he had a little bit yeah. of time, but think about that number one prospect in baseball. But John Scholes was like
1: that. To your point, yeah, <laughs> he he knew he like he knew ahead of you know, and that was back when you didn't have this information at your fingertips and you couldn't see these players. And, you know, some of these prospects uh, lists that are out there, there's still mistakes that are made, but you know, at that time, you know, we always felt this and sure. I remember him telling me this, like we needed to know our guys three months ahead of the rest of the industry. So we had to self-evaluate our guys, and know who was going to stick and who was going to fit our organization. So that, we, we you know if we, if he didn't fit, we had to trade that guy before the rest of the or rest of major major League baseball found out what we know now. You know whether it was makeup wise, whether it's talent wise, or a combination of. So you know, like John was, you know, um, you know that he's one of, he's one of the best, and and you know you don't see too many uh, slam dunk trades. Like one of the criticisms of John Mozelak is he doesn't make. You know he's traded away a couple of prospects. To, uh, Position player wise, hitters wise, that have gone on to be really good, Adolis Garcia, Randy Arozarena, yeah. too, right up right the top of my head. But he's made some really good trades the other way. Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. And if you go back and look at Arenado's deal, where where is having to pick up a big portion of that salary, he didn't give up much in return. And Goldschmidt, much most of what he get, what he uh, had to trade, St. Moselec did for Goldschmidt, and then he signed him long term, like. Those, those trades, he doesn't get enough credit for the job that he's done. So, you know, again, that's kind of the back and forth that you see. If you've been on the job long enough, there's going to be some ugly ones and there's going to be you know, some successes. Who do, you, who do you look forward to picking up the phone with? Who do you look – I mean – Well, yeah, that's great. And so I always uh, look forward to talking to Mark Shapiro – uh, just because I had a you know a good personal relationship with him as well, he's smart he's bright, and we would talk a lot of philosophical like management type of issues too Billy Bean, I loved talking to at the time uh, uh Brian Cashman Theo was another one like those were those were my peers during that period of time. Sure, holes. I'm like, nope, hang up the phone, I don't want to talk to him, even though even though i the trade he proposed to me uh was one that. Uh, Brian Roberts was a, when I was with the Orioles, Brian Roberts was a an owner favorite and one of our top pitching prospects named Hayden Penn. Uh, he proposed those two guys and he was going to give us back Tim Hudson and Marcus Giles. Oh, uh, Marcus Giles. Marcus Giles. Yeah. And Marcus Giles, you know, at the time, you know, was a good second baseman. He yeah. had like one year left, but Hudson, he still had a couple years left and we knew he had a hip issue, but. The way that played out, we should have made that deal because we would have. I mean, we would have crushed the, t- the deal. You know, this, the pit, you know, we knew the prospect maybe wasn't going to be as good as everyone thought. And Brian Roberts, yeah, you know, was a good player, but he ended up having injuries, you know, concussions, and stuff like that. So, so those are ones that you kind of go back in time. But, but there, you know, when they come in with that kind of certainty, Mike Rizzo is another one that you like. You know, he's he's been so good with, and so successful in some yeah. of these trades. He's done like, a no, good job, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, yes. he's done a good job with. I mean, this is the thing: is that when you make those big trades, you better nail them. And yes. and, and and he the solo trade, he did a good job with that, a pretty good yeah. job. And and now San Diego might trade him, and he's not. They're not going to get as much back.
1: So maybe half of what they gave up, you know, and they didn't win. You know, no. I mean, they did they, they get, get to the LCS last year, but I mean, this year's been an absolute disaster with, you know, with Soto and that whole team. So, yeah, I, I'm very curious if he does make Soto available, what he can get back. In the yeah, game, I, I am too.
0: No, yeah. and so, you know, we, there's obviously, you know, so now we talk about potential movement among GMs and, um, And and especially the extremes of, oh, well, like for instance, with Boston, it's, all you can't go down that same road again. You have to do what they've always done, this ultimate course correction, the Sherrington, to Dabrowski, to Bloom. And so, you know, I think everyone understands there must be, as we talked about earlier, there must be some middle ground here. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple of names and give your perspective of it. Um, One of them who is just was revealed that her contract is up. Kim Ning. and 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 what impressed me from I don't know Kim at all but what has impressed me from afar is that she's made some really like tough one-for-one trades like this is like this is you're giving up a good player and you're getting back a good player and and then and then obviously the deadline you're willing to give up prospect for for a Jake Berger you know so um well, what's your perspective uh, of Kim when it comes to, uh, you know, maybe finding that middle ground and, you know, for mm-hmm. good or for bad? I mean, I, I, you probably know her a lot better than I do, but so I'm just obviously curious about her.
1: Yeah. So when I first took over as GM, uh, I wanted to hire her as an assistant GM. She was in L.A., She but she grew up in New York. And so I I had known her for a long time, and I was trying to get her to come back to New York and see if she'd be around, uh, come in and be around her mom a little bit more, who was living in New York at the time. And so, you know, she and I have had a a longstanding uh, friendship and relationship that I thought was going to culminate in working together. So, yeah, I have a good perspective on her. You know, I think the thing that's always impressed me is uh, she doesn't make rational decisions. They're well thought out. Um, she has a lot of experience, uh, obviously, being in the Yankees and Dodgers organizations. So she's got that big market experience and understands, um, you know, what, what uh, you know, some, the, the winning uh, does in those in, in, at cities versus maybe a smaller market uh, club. Uh, she has had payroll flexibility. And now she's in a a market where she doesn't have as much flexibility there in Miami. She's made good, um, you know, major league trades now that she's been running the show herself. Um, So I think she has all of the or a lot of the elements. Um, You know, I don't know what her management skills are in terms of managing. You know, so part of this job is managing up and, uh, you know, managing the expectations of your owners. Which is probably the most difficult. Probably where I failed the, the, the most. I had a hard time with that, and then managing down below, and hiring good people and trusting them to do their jobs. And I hear she has good marks there. I don't know how she handles her, her current ownership there, but you know, the, you can you can evaluate her on her current track record, which is this year. And she, that team has gotten the most out of out of their ability for the finances that she's been given.
0: Right, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, especially anytime you're not like linked in the contract. Because obviously, Mike Hazen becomes a popular name, but listen, you got that year still left in the contract. Last time he came around this way, he got an extension. His his kids are still there; they've been there for seven years now. Um, So, you know, I'm almost discounting that. But I'll bring up another couple names because we talk about people who have done it before. And the importance of having done it before is Terry Francona. It took him Philadelphia, right. To become the guy okay. in the red to become the guy in Cleveland. Um, a couple of guys who are sitting there and I think they would like to get back in it is uh, are John Daniels and Dayton Moore. And John Daniels is a, I don't really know what he's an assistant in, um, to Eric Neander in Tampa. Uh, Dayton Moore is an assistant to Chris Young in Texas. What's your perspective of those guys?
1: So you've got two guys that you know Dayton let us talk, talk Dayton. He's more old school uh, scouting background. Um, the Sherholz, the Sher-Holtz regime, right? Sherholz regime, like you know, there's a lot of positives there. He he, you know, went in, rebuilt an organization there in Kansas City. Their window was a little short. But they got a World Series uh, ring. Can't you know, two World Series appearances back to back, and then it went downhill again, and there were some, I think, decisions that they had that they they probably would like to get back again on the scouting and player development side. They had some player development issues, not unlike what John Daniels had in in his uh, bet towards the end of his reign there, Uh, but Dayton, you know, he's very principled, um, and you know, I think that he's, in terms of the experience and his success, he's had it, He just the success was a little bit, you know, a little bit ago. John, is I think more along the lines, very similar to the, to the kind of tree that they've attracted before uh, up there, um, you know, in the Theo and Ben Sherrington tree that, you know, that, you know, Cornell educated, uh, you know, success as a, a, a you know, general manager made decisions he learned under John Hart. Then he had, then he was running, running the show himself, um, you know, he even admitted, which I always um, appreciate guys who are willing to, you know, kind of look in the mirror and see where they did well. And, and maybe were short. He admitted that he was slow to embrace the analytics because of their success. You know, they had back to back world series appearances too, even though they didn't win, they should have won against the Cardinals. They should have won. Um, I think that was 10 or 11. Uh, yeah, now that yeah. I think about it, right. Uh, there was a, they were, you know, a misplay in the outfield by Nelson Cruz. That if he catches it, they win the World Series. It, it ends in six games. So, so, you know, he, I mean, that taste—it was that close. And so, you know, and he know he understands big markets there as well. So he's an interesting guy, an interesting candidate, and he's learning kind of the the, the ropes there in Tampa too a little bit. So I think they're both interesting. I feel like John is more along the the, the lines of the middle of the road. Type of guy that you might see Boston pursue, where I think Dayton, like I've heard Dayton's name mentioned potentially in helping the White Sox in a, um, you know, kind of a a, a similar advisory uh, right With way. Chris, Chris Gattis, yeah, right.
0: And so, um, then you you mentioned like so the the and now we we, we mentioned the experienced guy, and then the interesting you have a Brandon Gomes. So Brandon Gomes represents a couple different things. He represents a guy that has done the job, but OK, when you have someone above you, no one really knows how much you did the job. And, right. and, and then but you also as much as people want to like they wanted, for instance, from Bloom coming from the Rays organization, the Dodgers organization is the next level. I mean, if you're coming from right now, there is no organization which people want to draw the secret sauce from more than the Dodgers. So yeah. I don't know what your perspective is about uh, late 30s. Um, And and if he is going to go somewhere, it's probably going to have to be his president of baseball operations, right? You can't have the same
1: title. So what's your perspective of him? So, so he's a really interesting one because he also has to you know, he's a pitcher. So, you know, he's got that major league playing experience um, that sometimes helps with guys. Um, You know, he has learned under Andrew Friedman, who I think is probably the most successful right now. You know, he's Andrew did the, you know, the Tampa and the LA uh, you know, leading that group. So I think with Brandon, he's learned um, under under the best. I view it. Um, I think the other aspect that fits with Boston is with the way the, that market is and the the mountain of information that comes in from you know so many, like, you know, the sports performance area, the medical side, the you know the, all of the scouting and player development and the major leagues and the analytics and the pr- like, all of it this, you know, and it has to be managed. He's learned, you know, how to do that in that, in that marketplace. And, you know, and with a high expectation level too, like you have in Boston. So, you know, again, this all fits, you know, if you were to write out a list of 10 things that of criteria that work in, in the market in Boston, I think all of them, he fits a lot of those. He doesn't have an understanding necessarily of the Boston well, he's from from Fall River, though.
0: I mean, it's oh, like, that's right. He's from Fall River. That's right. He's yeah. from Fall River. So
1: yeah. yeah. So, uh, so so even that, like, you know, that's why Hazen was interesting. You know, Bloom was interesting because he went to, to Yale, right? Um, so like, if you have a, a knowledge of that too, um, I think that kind of for me is like that final check mark. The only negative, like you said, like with Hein, when you get in that chair and you're making those decisions, I, I'll just speak from experience. I remember the first month that i was on the job i felt like i was drinking from a fire hose like it just goes so fast you finally get used to it but it takes a little bit of time not that he can't handle it but he's a very interesting
0: candidate as well you you had brought up something before about you know going through the job about managing up right managing up with the owners but you also have to manage down and this is another thing all right well you better have a good relationship with your manager you better have a good relationship with the owner (laughs) yeah, <laughs> And by the way, lead lead hundreds and hundreds of people around you. So, man, you're, you're reminding me it's a tough job.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and that's why you have all these titles, right? The president of baseball ops, which drives, drives us all nuts. But you have a president of baseball ops and a GM because it is a, you know, that level is a two-man job. There's so many important decisions that you have to make. And it really helps having someone who can help you make those calls. Um, that will, you know, take some of the workload off ha- talking to agents, which is a huge part now, right? And dealing with, you know, players is a huge part of the job too. And you don't have enough time in the day to do all of it no. yourself. So you better hire. And you know, that's why, you know, it's interesting how they're going to handle that up there. But it seems like they're going to go two-person two hire up there.
0: Yeah, well, okay. So this spit it to the mess, a team that you know. And so everyone, when David Stearns was hired – Everyone, they sold, you know, a lot of tickets because everyone liked the idea of David Stearns. Now, if you probably ask a lot of Mets fans, all right, what did David Stearns do? I don't know. I just know that Milwaukee was good. And and everyone tells us that this was the guy and we got the guy. So what's your perspective on how he will do, but also like what he will do knowing him?
1: So I'm always intrigued because he has, uh, you know, he grew up in New York, has Mets ties. He actually was an intern under Omar Minaya there. So he had some ties, obviously a different ownership group. Uh, Then he went on to MLB, uh, got some experience there before going to Cleveland and then on to Houston. And it was a quick rise to assistant GM. And then he was in Houston there during some of their successful years before he went to Milwaukee. And if you look at their success, they'll be in a postseason this year, he doesn't really get too much credit on that, but I think it'll be three of the final four years of his tenure were in the postseason he was a game away from getting to the World Series uh, that year. They played against the Dodgers in the NLCS, right? So he's creative. Uh, he's smart. He's reserved. Uh, you know, I think that those are. He's consistent. Uh, you know, he's analytically driven. He's gotten more out of less than almost anybody else, very similar to like the Tampa uh, executives that that we hear. So, um, you know, he's not afraid to make trades. He made, you know, like his most recent trade they made when they didn't make the postseason, he traded Josh Hader. He misunderstood the chemistry aspect of the clubhouse. He owned it. He Mm -hmm. realized that he made, he cut his teeth. He won't make that mistake again. Like, there's all these things. If you're, if I'm the Mets owner, if I'm Steve Combo, oh, yeah, I, I want this guy. I want this guy over here. Um, and so, you know, and you still get Billy Epler, too, who is, a, a you know. Right, which is
0: important. Leader. It's it's, imp- it's an important thing. We talked about multiple people. It, and, yeah. and Billy Epler, you know, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. This guy, this guy we can't forget. And I don't know if the Mets are going to sign Otani, but this guy the guy who signed Otani. So right. if if you want to go down that road, it's not a bad guy to have in your front office.
1: So yeah, exactly. exactly, it's exactly right. He he convinced Ohtani the first time for almost virtually zero money. I mean, when you look at how much he got, it's embarrassing how much money Ohtani took to sign with the Angels. Now he has the largest checkbook in the sport. He can't attract <laughs> Ohtani to New York. Is that what people are saying? Gotta, you know, unless he doesn't want to come to New York, like, yeah. they would be a front runner, no doubt.
0: Oh yeah. All right. So last thing, Jim, I appreciate your time is as you sit here, you have to, you have to stand on that field, the world series, you have to stand on that field. It's going to be cold. And I've you running around with your microphone and getting the best of the best out of guys. And who is, who are those teams going to be for you right now? As we sit here, who do you feel good about it landing?
1: Well, I just, I've, I've seen a lot of Atlanta and how good they are and they've been able to win without their starting pitching being what I think it will be late and their bullpen, like it's about as well balanced of a team as you can have. So I'm going to take the, I'm going to pick chalk in in Atlanta. Okay. Um, I feel like, I feel like that one is almost easy to do considering everything it doesn't mean they're going to win it, but I, I will look at them and just say, you know, even if they're not playing with playing well, going into it, they have all a lot of the elements I look for. And they've got chemistry, makeup experience, all that. So I think the harder part for me is in the American league. Cause I don't think there's a clear cut team. You know, everyone wants to choose Houston. I'm not going that route. I have seen some flaws after winning the world series last year, and they were slow to the, to the trigger and building the roster. So I'm not picking, I'm not picking them. I was tempted to go Mariners, uh, because they have really good pitching. But yeah. I'm going to stay down here. Um, I'm going to say the, the way I've been watching the Orioles here lately, um, and they may end up having the best team in the American Leagues. Either they or, or Tampa. Those are the two for me that are um, have, have uh, weathered the most adversity yeah. over the year. They're tested within the division, like all of those things. So, you know, since you hardly ever see one versus one, I'll take Tampa – but my heart wants to pick the Orioles. So, you know, either way, I won't yeah. be freezing, and you and I won't be Ooh. freezing our tails off. All right. If, they, if those two get in there because of the warmer weather.
0: Yeah, let's go. Let's go. And by the way, Grayson Rodriguez may be the most important player in the postseason, right? I mean, I'm, maybe that's that's a, that's hyperbole, but not really.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, he could be a big, big guy. He's going to be a big factor. He looks like yeah. he has plenty left in the tank, too. Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And I'm, I'm on the Rays. I just feel like they figured out that after sifting through all the chaos, they sort of figured out who they are, um, yeah. feeling good about themselves. And uh, and I, you know what? Don't sleep on the Dodgers because and here's the thing: is that like this so Justin Turner said this about how they had went in 111 games, sort of cruise, and that was almost detrimental to like gotcha. you know playing. And I know that they clinched early. But the amount of adversity that that team has had to go through in terms of injuries is nuts. Is nuts, and that that has to say that has to mean something. I think somewhere down the road, yeah.
1: it, it definitely does. Learning how to win without your because you saw even even it with the Red Sox run right when they won it in uh, nineteen or it, was it 19 18, because 18, 18, 18, yeah. 18, the Nationals in nineteen in eighteen like when the you know the crap hits the fan, you better have a good manager that can can figure out different ways to win, whether it's David Price coming in out of the, uh, or or David Price or or Chris sale, you know, whoever it is coming in out of the bullpen, any of those, you know, that, um, the Tampa is probably the best at at figuring out ways like that. And there'll be some things that they'll do like, Oh, we'll, we'll be, copying that in the postseason next year or the year after. Like, they, they are the standard for, for people just copying them all the time.
0: And I don't feel like they've – and here's another thing about Tampa. I don't feel like they've grinded their key guys into the ground like in years past, right? I mean, the, yeah. that's what happened. Everyone focused on the Blake Snell decision. Well, you're buying a reliever who, would like, have had a half, half of arm left. So,
1: yes. Uh, yes, that's a great point. Um, I think, you know, their bullpen's deep. Their offense is sneaky good like it was really good early on it's it, it slowed down now they hit the high end velocity like there's some things that you go yeah that's a team you know I think Kevin Cash is fantastic as a manager it's a really well run team so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw you get to uh, stay the in, in you, yeah. do you get to stay at the Vinoy is that is that in the uh, in the budget? uh I, that remains to be seen i don't know if that will get to the into the sirius xm budget or not I'll have to, we'll have to wait on that we might um, get there for, for round for the lcs but the world series gets a little crowded in there all right best beds in the american league there you go all right <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Joe, thanks so much all right. man. thanks rob always good to see you. in celebration of opening day we've got a special episode of the moth podcast for you the theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people